0: FM 100.3 This is Searchlight Conversations with Dean and Ken Well good evening Good evening Dean, how are you? I'm good thanks Ken, how's yourself? Absolutely fantastic, it's a really exciting subject tonight, we're going to throw the spotlight on Minjeriba. Oh, the Quandamooka in North Stradbroke. Absolutely. It's a very interesting program we've got lined up tonight. We've got uh, three very interesting guests coming along a little bit later on. I'll tell you more about that later. But uh, in the searchlight for tonight, getting this together, we've uh, had a lot of fun. Yes, if, it's been uh, If I can use that word the right way. It's been very interesting indeed. So let's give a little bit of a background info uh, first of all. And North Stradbroke Island, in other words, Minjeriba. Minjerriba means island in the sun in the Ngunukle language. And the Ngunukle have lived in Minjerriba for 21,000 years and it boasts some of the world's most spectacular scenery. It's got an amazing rich cultural history and it's home to a massive variety of flora and fauna found amongst a very diverse habitat, including mangroves, dunes, wetlands, endangered healthlands, freshwater lakes, rainforests, old-growth forests and woodlands. So it's a very special place. It certainly is. Yeah. Many of the species on Minjerriba are genetically unique and not found anywhere else in the world. and I think that's where things are starting to unvo- evolve from here. The island's wetlands, the foreshore swamps and the inter- interconnecting ecosystems, they're listed as part of the Morton Bay Ramsar site, which acknowledges the internationally significant biodiversity of the area and the role that it plays in providing habitat for vulnerable, endangered and near-threatened species. Biodiversity conservation on Minjeriba is increasingly recognizing the intertwining of cultural values and the importance of management being led by the traditional owners. Mm -hmm. And here's another little piece of the onion that's starting to flake off. Yeah, it does make it very interesting, doesn't it? Because it means that we've got
1: such a sensitive area, not only culturally, but also with the native animals.
0: Absolutely correct. species, yeah. Absolutely correct, yeah. Now, if you want to get a bit more history on it, um, a humpback whale skeleton was washed ashore in 2011. It's now being preserved by the Queensland Museum. It's been recommended that the skeleton now become a landmark at Point Lookout. So they've put twenty thousand dollars aside to mount the skeleton and a further three thousand uh, sorry three hundred thousand dollars has been allocated to build a whale watching platform at Point Lookout, which is really quite popular in the area. Mm. So talks have been underway between the island's indigenous owners, the Kondamuka people, Sabelco, Redland City Council, tourism bodies, and the Queensland Government Departments, and all talking about the environment and heritage situation. This has been going on since 2015. Right. You can go back a little bit further. In 2011, the original Transition Study set aside $100,000 for the development of a brand and identity, or a new brand and identity, for North Stradbroke Island, which is where Minjera is starting to come into play. Right. Okay. Now, with that, Kayak, which is the... I'll get this right because it's a mouthful. The Kwandamuka Yula Boroughby Aboriginal Corporation, Quandamooka Yuluburrabi Aboriginal Corporation, otherwise known as Kayak, is a registered prescribed body corporate created under the Native Title Act in 1993 to manage the recognised native title rights and the interests of the Quandamooka people. Now that followed the determination on 4th of July 2011. Kayak has approximately 800 members and it's the largest membership of all PBCs in Australia. It's registered as a cultural heritage body under the Aboriginal Cultural Heritage Act 2003 in Queensland and it's responsible for cultural heritage management across the Kwandamooka Estate. Now, Kayak is also the joint manager with the state government of the Nari jara or My Mother Earth, National Park, which is the largest piece of recreational infrastructure on Mirinjerriba. Now, Kayak has a mission to achieve better outcomes for the Kondamooka people, to care for the country, create opportunities for future generations and work together towards a glad tomorrow. Now, if we fast forward a little bit, July 2019, and the state government announced that it will commit an additional $4.5 million to construct the Minjeriba Cultural Centre on North Stradbroke Island, in addition to the $4 million which was already pledged to the project by the state earlier. Now, the project seeks to increase tourism industry growth on the island with the removal of sand mining industries. The comment comes from the $25 million economic transition strategy to establish Minjeriba as a globally recognised cultural and eco-tourism destination. And that's all expected to be completed by 2021. Now, considering we're sitting in November in 2020, this is an interesting little development. Yeah. So there is the base for, the, for tonight's program, which is really interesting. We threw out a, a few messages across the audience over the week and said send in your questions, and we've got plenty of those coming in as well. And I think we're going to find that
1: there's been a lot of misconceptions of what a lot of these powers can do. A lot of these different organisations can do for the area. I think people have uh, think that one particular place can do a lot more than the other. Correct. I think we're going to try to make it quite clear to the locals, to yep. make them understand everybody within the area, yep. to understand what the council can do, do, what the state government can do and what kayak can do.
0: Yeah, and I think as we start unraveling that, we might things we'll make things a little bit clearer, and with that, we'll start off a different conversation, which we might continue. Further down the yeah, train. Try
1: to add a bit of clarity To the whole situation Correct Because yeah. I know there was a lot of I, wouldn't, I don't know if you'd want to call the word Misinformation prior to the election But like anything prior to an election Everyone's always going to say Everything a little bit more than normal Yes To make sure that you vote for them Yes So we're going to try to bring back A little bit of clarity to the area
0: yeah. So without our guests tonight Our local councillor Peter Mitchell Right We've got State MP Mark Robinson And we've got the chairman of Kayak Cameron Costello as our guests tonight Yeah So it's going to be a very interesting Searchlight tonight Yeah. We'll get stuck into it right after this. Bay FM 100.3. AFM 100.3 This is Searchlight Conversations with Dean and Ken. And tonight, Searchlight Conversations throws the spotlight on Minjeriba. Our very first guest is local councillor Peter Mitchell, who spent his early years in Belmont, in Brisbane's eastern suburbs. He was schooled at Iona College in Lindum, And Peter's obtained a Bachelor of Physiotherapy at the University of Queensland in 1985, then went on to a Master in Sports Physiotherapy at Griffith University in 1999. Peter's lived in the Redlands since 1990 with his family. He raised the family in the district and his children attend our local schools. Peter now lives in Cleveland with his wife and one of their four other children. Peter has owned and operated a physiotherapy business in Cleveland for 25 years and is proud that his years in business had contributed to the wider economic benefits of the city by using local suppliers and employees wherever possible. Peter believes in a healthy community, is inclusive and respectful of all residents. He firmly believes in shared responsibility and that actions speak louder than words. He encourages all residents to play an active role in contributing to the community. Peter Mitchell has volunteered, sponsored and served on committees for several organisations or events, and they include Redfest, Redland Coast Chamber of Commerce, Sharks Triathlon Club and Cleveland Placemakers and Bushcare. Good evening, Peter Mitchell.
2: Good evening. How are you going?
0: Very well, sir. Very well indeed. And uh, how's your day been treating you? It's been fantastic every day as councillor. Division two is
3: a day in paradise serving the <laughs> community.
0: Well, it's a terrible <laughs> place to have to be, to be looking hear. after, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, it's just just such a beautiful part of Queensland. Yeah, it's great to hear, but that's yeah. that's good.
2: It's it, good.
3: It is just fantastic, and I no look. I mean it. I love the place, and uh, that's why you stand for this. It's it's not for the pats on the back. <laughs> no, I right, love
0: it. Yep. Do you get um, any of those?
3: Yeah, yeah, actually, no, I'm being a bit facetious. <laughs> yeah. You get plenty. You get you get plenty, actually, and it's Good really wonderful. And, yeah, you, know, you get the odd people that are a bit cheesed off, and sometimes they're absolutely right to be cheesed off. But, um, but, you know, we're all great, and it's just anything that happens in this beautiful part of the world. It's just essentially a family squabble, and then we get on with it.
0: That's the way to go, absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: Right, so... Peter, with dealing with uh, uh, Minjarabar and North Stradbroke and the Quantamooka people and so on, a lot of people have a lot of questions. And, the, and and I think there's a there needs to be a little bit of clarity out there what the council can do and what the local councillor can do and can't do for them. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of places if they're talking about future developments, they want to know, you know, like, can you make sure there's not too many trees knocked down and so on? Can you just give us a little basic rundown of what... Your job as the councillor, what can the council actually do for people on the island?
3: Well, as an individual councillor, uh, my job is just to represent the community views through the council. Council, as the authority, of course, has a very important role to play, and certainly in planning matters through the Redland City City plan. Uh, there are lots of regulatory and planning Uh, instruments that need to be considered if people are looking at developments and the zonings around that uh, guide what people can apply for and then things are assessed through the usual channels by mostly the council officers under delegation. But if anything's got real hairs over it and raises an individual councillor's concern, then matters can be called in for decision by full council. Right, OK. But most of the time, business as usual is council officers as professionals in their own right assessing applications on merit as they come in according to hopefully well-constructed zoning across a city completely.
1: Okay. so Um, give you a basic question then. If we had a, a a local or a someone has a holiday home on Stratty, and they are concerned that bushland around them will be destroyed for housing construction, and they wanted to know whether there's any chance that um, to make sure you keep that bushland there without causing too much damage to the local environment, how do they approach you? Do they go to you well, first, and home. then you go from there on take it to council?
3: No, I would be... Uh, they can come through me. We're always happy to hear from our residents. Right. But it's actually putting one extra step between uh, them and a great answer.
1: Right, OK. So my best,
3: ad- my best advice to any resident on any matter, uh, simple or complex, is to go straight through to... It's a council matter. Go straight through to council. The, they're fantastic, the majority of the time, and uh, if it's on a planning matter around, say, tree clearing uh, or possible development, then the most important thing is they identify the block or the location as accurately as they can, have a clear question that they want answered, and then send that through to council at rcc at Au or phone 38298999. Right. And uh, then the council officers will give them, a hopefully, a very clear answer. Right, OK. With If they're not happy for uh, either they're not getting served well or they, they want a further clarification, I then say, please go back to council and give them a chance to answer that if they're still unhappy get your councillor involved and that's when we come in and question the organisation on your behalf. But go to council. Go to the authority.
0: And and with the the local council, how much influence does the local council have in state government decisions? Do you get a say in it or do you get to put propositions to the state government? How does it all fit together?
3: On planning matters? Yes. There are the, the Redland City Plan is one important instrument, but it sits nestled amongst a whole raft of state interests and planning instruments of their own right. Um, it's it is quite complex. So Redlands Council has a significant role as an assessing authority, but we're not on our pat alone. The state government. Uh, authority sits well and truly over the top of any local council uh, but council does have an important role in assessing upfront and of course like any resident or organisation has a say in any planning matter. Whether it has any authority is another thing, but we all have a chance to have a say, and those says are very, very important, particularly if you're seeking change.
0: I've uh, read a, an article from uh, the Redland City Council News on October 7 uh, this year talking about the TLPI, the Temporary Local Planning Instrument. There's a there's a yes. whole bunch of questions we've had uh, around that. Can you explain what that is and what its ramifications are for us, please?
3: I'll do the best.
0: That's yeah, okay. That's um, all we're asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: that's right. Well, look, suffice to say, a TLPI being gazetted by a state government is a very unusual step. A TLPI is usually a local government instrument. Right, okay. Um, And what a temporary local planning instrument does is bring in immediately that it is gazetted a range of new zones over the identified land parcels that are, as I said, of immediate effect and open up the possibility for applications under that new zoning to a council for assessment of potential development of any sort uh, that is relevant to that zone. So it's unusual in that it bypasses the normal public engagement um, upfront. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't preclude that engagement. In fact, council are then obliged to consult with the community on those new zonings. The difficulty that council and local government elected members are having in this tier LPI is because the state government has important. Uh, responsibilities with Kayak and the Kwandamuka people under their indi- Indigenous Land Use Agreement, the state Iluwa, yep. what level of um, input or impact will that public engagement have if there are overarching obligations that necessitate Kwandamuka people's rights under the state Ilua and native title. Uh, So council and elected members in the community are quite rightly asking, well, why are you asking now? Because there are things way above uh, the level of council at play here. Um, very important issues of native title, very important uh, responsibilities under the state Ilua that are perhaps allowing the Kurnai people the very rightful aspirations. Therefore, would any level of public input or concern or support, for that matter?
1: So, so, um, so why would the why would the have sta- an what, effect? So, why would the state government do that? What would be the benefits of doing that?
2: You
3: would probably have to ask Minister Dick and the state. Yeah. I mean, it was in the lead-up to the state election, of course. Right. That's just a matter of fact. Right. Um, and now we're in caretaker mode. Um, it really probably is a question for course, the state course, as course, to why yeah. they they chose that particular uh, tool to use, where they could have, of course, as they have previously uh, use the ministerial direction to rezone land and go through the process. So there have already been a number of parcels of land on North Stradbroke Island rezoned under ministerial direction in the lead-up to this TLPI. So,
1: But there's no proposed developments in action at the moment, is there?
3: No. It opens up the possibility for an application... The moment that that gazette came down. So that was on Monday, the 14th of September. Right. So as soon as the TLPI is gazetted officially, from that moment, council could receive applications from someone uh, for development on a parcel of land. And depending on that zoning, it has to be assessed under the normal provisions of the, of the planning scheme.
1: Right. So it so does add a bit of confusion to the whole situation, yeah. doesn't it? No wonder people are sort of trying to question what's going on. Planning is complex mm. at the best at of times. At the best times. of times, yeah.
3: <laughs> planning is... I had a meeting with a community on the weekend on a, a mainland issue... Um, of of some controversy for that local community and it is it is really confusing it's confusing for councillors it's confusing for the community it it needs a lot of work and that's been well documented in the community certainly supported by council and I think both levels of government and the community all need to (laughs) really push for a lot more clarity around planning full stop let alone the confusion that exists now on Minjeriba and it's not fair on the community over there on That's any right. township it's not fair on the community of Redlands um, more broadly, it's it's just unfortunate that there is that confusing confusion, but it does exist. Yeah. So we have to stare it in the face and get past it. And yeah. There's a lot together.
1: of the, a lot of the questions from the locals and so on, want, wanting to know what is going on and who do they talk to, and and everyone seems to have the same answer that, that no one really knows what's occurring at this present time, and it's becoming a very very complex situation.
3: It is complex, but there is an awful lot of information available now, at least when this CLPI came down and put that together with the previous ministerial directions. Although it's come through in an unusual fashion and not ideal, I think uh, is an understatement, Mm -hmm. um, at least now we all have some more clarity on what... What is there, and so anyone now can go to the Department of State Development Manufacturing and Infrastructure and Planning website <laughs> and have a look at the TLPI mapping, right? Okay, um, uh, and and see what's there now. Um,
1: so there's definitely going to be mere- some future developments coming up.
3: Well, you wonder why it would be yeah. rezoned. This is yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is what I'm Some thinking of. doesn't
0: make sense. Yeah, yeah, and
3: could- a, 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 absolutely, that's the case. And you know what? There are huge opportunities that might come from it as well. Correct. Right. It's not all bad. The confusion yeah. is bad.
2: The yeah, confusion of course it is yes. very
3: bad. The community angst is bad. The the unnecessary uh, divisions are bad. But what's not bad are some of the fantastic opportunities that might come, um, the quite rightful aspirations of kwandamuka the economic future of North Stradbroke Island. But if the state and, and kayak and, and council can take its lumps here as well, haven't brought the community along for the ride, well, well, that's everyone's bad. And we all need to do a great job to realise the positive aspirations and benefits and knock on the head some of the ones that are not welcome in the community. But until we get to that point where all parties are in the room cooperatively in a genuine fashion with the community of all the townships, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, and across all the uh, Quandamooka mob, there's angst within there, then, you know, we're going to leave positive things on the table and that's a shame.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And, and if and correct me if I'm wrong, am I understanding that amongst all of that, that, even though you've got a TLPI in place, that the state government could change those zonings at any time? The state has
3: huge power. Yeah. Um, local government is the servant of the state. Yep. And um, at any time at the stroke of a pen And not being flippant about it yeah, know, There's great responsibility with that of course But uh, the local government can be directed to do just about anything yeah, By their wow. state masters So it could happen uh, But I'm not here to no. pour petrol on the already so. existing angst so. I'm here to say the future is really bright and um, Council, I think, has been very proud of its role overall in in trying to um, assist the aspirations of the Quandamooka community and the, all the three townships. But we probably uh, are reaching out to the state and Kayak and the community now that this has happened and the state government are through their election process. And we've got a fantastic opportunity to, you know, write... Right the wrongs and clear the confusion and uh, get everyone back in the tent.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. I
0: that'd think so, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, you know, overall, I think the Redlands Council is doing a wonderful job in this area. They're doing great work. It's well, just Well,
1: so far, that's what we've heard tonight, isn't yeah, it? Mean, it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Like even from Mark Robinson, the same thing. Same Every, thing. Everyone wants to get
1: together yep. and sort it out and move forward for the benefit of everybody. Everybody, yeah.
3: And
0: I think there is a... There is... There
3: a, is there is incredible goodwill. And I think I said the family squabble before. Just about what I was going to say. And Redlands red, yeah. is like that. But aren't we? We're, we're just a fantastic uh, community. And um, and, and like family, we can have some ding-dong uh, battles at times and discussions. Right. But just like family, that's forgotten in an instant. And we, we just get on with it. And Stratty is... Um, is uh, unbelievably fantastic for that in that you just think there's um yeah there's daggers at 10 paces but uh the next day everyone's just yeah having slapping each other on the back and getting on with it and oh, that's that great is, to hear. isn't that the yeah.
0: aussie way yep that's it great to hear. It, is. it is and it is yeah.
3: just below the surface and even under a pretty tumultuous surface at the moment that goodwill is just below the surface, and I'm amazed. Uh, and well, not really amazed. I'm just happy that that's the case uh, on Australia and elsewhere. But yeah, there's a lot of work to do. I'm not trying to gild the lily here. It's just reality. But um, yeah, stare the ugly in the face. But we're all capable of getting this right. It's not dead. It's it's just. Needs, needs a bit of work, needs a bit of life support. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Excellent.
0: Peter, if you, if you don't mind, we'll just take a quick break right now and come back and have a quick chat in just a moment. Bay FM 100.3. This is Searchlight Conversations with Dean and Ken. And tonight, the Searchlight is spotting Minjeriba, and our special guest is Peter Mitchell, local councillor. For- and uh, once again, Peter, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. A lot is happening yeah. in this area. A lot is going on in this area. And there's a lot of opportunity available as well. How is the Redland Council, and particularly the Mayor, looking after the local residents? Well,
3: i would just start with one word. I think we're doing an excellent job. Um, <laughs> Which is more than one word. Now, <laughs> uh, look in right. the lead up to the state election. Um, you're right. There was, as always, um, uh, a, yeah, there's been a posturing between the major parties, and, mm-hmm. and and that's normal part of democracy, and 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 good on them, yeah, for doing it. But occasionally, I think the community and uh, council get caught in the crossfire, and I think that was very true in the lead up to this state election and Minjeriba wasn't missed um, in in that sort of um, posturing. I'll I'll use that word on the way through. So I think what council did trying to, both the elected members but also council themselves, trying really to set the path saying, okay, once we're through the election process, whoever the new government may be, we need to move forward because that's what the community wants uh, and expects. Mm -hmm. So there was probably three particular documents that are all available publicly that were trying to correct the record in some ways of some of the media releases and things that we saw, uh, perhaps muddying the waters and causing a little bit of community angst, um, but also setting that path for... Those future opportunities to be realised and, and holding out the olive branch to say, well, we're still here, good to go, soon as soon as you guys are, whoever you guys were going to be. Right. So one of those things was um, Mayor Williams felt it was appropriate to write to uh, Cam Costello, the CEO of Kayak. We've had a great relationship with Cam, charming bloke, and we've had some some wonderful conversations and we we wish him well in his aspirations and things. He's doing a fantastic job in representing his his people through kayak. But Mayor Williams felt strongly that she needed to correct some of the statements that had come out in media releases and, and did write to Cam. And that's been published widely on social media and otherwise. But essentially at the end of the day, uh, apart from correcting some of the record, she also said council stands ready to work with all parties to create an exciting and transparent vision for the island. I think that's what's been missing. Where are we all heading together? And following the state election, she is going to be inviting all parties to sit down and discuss how we can better work together to deliver the best outcomes for Minjerribah, Quandamooka people, and, of course, the island community. So well, that was an important... That was an important uh, mayor to CEO of a very important organisation. Well, that's
0: awesome leadership.
3: was uh, it, it, it was, and uh, and I know Mayor Williams personally now, and I and I know Cam personally, and I know that those two people, they're, they're smart cookies, great people, and and they'll make it happen. Yeah, good. So the second the second um, thing was after the TLPI, I and Minister Dix uh, gazetting of that, I received an awful lot of. Responses from the community, some very concerned and anxious, some excited about the opportunities, but all confused. Yeah. And I have put in a submission personally to the Minister. It was with cooperation of my fellow councillors and with input from council officers, but it was my submission, uh, penned under my name. And we wanted to... We've basically highlighted some of the impacts of the TLPI, uh, the council position regarding the state government direction and options to facilitate those land aspirations of Quandamooka, but through the lens of the broader community and respect of the broader community, but also concerns about council's ability to assess any applications through the city plan, given the overarching authority of the state and the state's obligations to Quandamooka people through their are Also, our great concerns on the infrastructure required to support the island's future. Australia's population, out of peak time, is, say, 2200. So normally a council would supply sewer, water, parks, roads for 2,200 people yep. and do it really well. Yep. Right. At peak time, there's 10,000 plus on the island. Wow, right? yeah. <laughs> now, they're not Redland residents. <laughs> Five times all, it, yes. All, all of them. Sorry, there are there are a lot of Redlands residents, Sorry. But there's people from Logan and Brisbane and uh, India and China and yeah, Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast and interstate. So, but the impact of that on traditionally council supplied infrastructure isn't paid for by the state or the feds who get the benefits of that, or the businesses on the island, quite frankly, that would benefit from that, and not having a crack at them. I'm just saying, the impacts fall on the ratepayer of the Redlands. The argument of Redland City Council, and we think it's very fair and reasonable, and we're taking it up through LGAQ and elsewhere, is that if the benefits are flowing to the state the federal governments through GST, taxations, etc. cetera, um, and up to Brisbane through uh, th- yeah, their tourism uh, efforts that are uh, sending people down the river. or <laughs> That was a cracker of a press release from, from uh, the state government before talking about fast boats out of the Brisbane River, which were impossible. Um, mm. But we just think Council and the rate pays of Redlands deserve an awful lot of help in delivering that critical infrastructure to underpin a sustainable tourism uh, future for Minjarabar or indeed other industries. So that was very strongly put in my submission to the Minister. So that's how we're looking after our residents, by saying this isn't fair that the rate pay of Redlands pays for interstate and overseas visitors. Uh, that should be a state or a national contribution, mm-hmm. along with a Redland City Council contribution. Well, We're I, there, I,
0: I, I would have thought that not when, on their own. I would have thought that when the state government um, announced the, the uh, elimination of sand mining on the island and turning it into a tourist destination, that that would have been taken into the equation at the time, surely?
3: Well, uh, and without being unkind to the uh, ETS, there's some fantastic projects in there, and Council was very proud to deliver Project 13, which was the artworks and place markers at Point Lookout and Amity. But it did feel very much like a list of projects, however fantastic those projects were, but not a clear, sustainable vision for the island. What's the end game? Where are we going? So we had a list of projects, but no coordinated, overarching, clear vision that we could all get behind all the people of every township, Quandamook people, Redland City Council, state government, it just didn't exist. So it was a bit of a miss, I think. So not seeking blame here, because we've still got that opportunity. Yes. Um, But yeah, it would have been lovely in a perfect world to think that was all done, but it wasn't. (laughs) And here we are now, we've just got to try and solve that moving forward. Mm. Uh, The other important document uh, from the general meeting of the 7th of October um, was council officers and council felt it was important to give the community a clear timeline of interactions around planning matters that had gone on since 2011 when Native Title came in. Um, and where things, uh, in my words, kind of um, diversified or or parted ways where the state and and Kayak and Council and community kind of lost their way. And I think around that 2014, 2015 period. um, So that document's out there and it's just a matter of fact as public record. And again, just sort of saying, this is the record as Reading City Council sees it, but we're ready and willing to work with all parties towards what is a fantastic future. But the confusion around planning, I think, is one of the big sticking points. Yeah. And I think the other is the clear endpoint vision for Minjeriba hasn't been formed yet. What is it? What's the Number of people on the island. What what is the development going to look like? What are we What are we all agreeing on? Is a fair and reasonable future? And I use agreeing with a very small A because there's never going to be total agreement. Just a bit of cooperation and acceptance right. that yeah you know, we'll all work in this direction. Um, I think the third and very important one for the rate payer of Redlands is who pays. And council will pay its fair share, define fair. And I think fair needs a lot of work. If you're talking about uh, significant expansion, perhaps of uh, infrastructure or population on the island, Uh, tourism numbers, I think fair needs a, a healthy contribution From the state and maybe the feds, Um, uh, because council will be there. We just don't think it's fair on the residents of Redlands that you know someone else paints the picture, but we get. Past the baby and the costs
0: of that baby. Yeah. I, I think that mm. I think the Redlands Council certainly got its heart in the right place, and I think state government does as well, and I think also the people from the from the island all do. And I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier on, Peter, when you said we all need to sit around the table together and work it out because the opportunity for the future is just amazing and it needs to be realised. It can exactly. be realised, mm-hmm. but it only happens when it comes with cooperation and everyone working together on a common agenda and basically focused on the same points. So good point there, Peter. I think that's, uh, it's been an yeah. absolutely delight uh, chatting with you this evening. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for your contribution. You've made such amazing uh, contributions that kind of, a lot of people are going to start thinking.
3: Yeah, well, I'll, use, I'll, I'll sign off for you with a COVID thing. Yeah, you know, We hear this, we're in this together statement. Yes.
2: Well,
3: let's everyone believe it. And I'm calling out on every person on Strati, State Government, Kayak, council every councillor and um yeah we are in this together we are in paradise here Absolutely. and yeah this is this is essentially a family squabble albeit a very important one yep. and um that's okay you know but yeah, we're we're bigger than this and um and and i've got every confidence in a incredible future for all of us
1: that's fantastic that's fantastic. great to hear yep. well thank you very much yep. peter for tonight it's much appreciated very
0: informative and we look forward to speaking with you one day in the future. Thank and you so much, Peter. A little bit of inspiration as well. Absolutely, yeah. Peter Mitchell, local Lovely councillor, Redland City Council. Thank you so much. Good evening, Mark. Welcome to Searchlight Conversations. Uh, it's great to be with you here.
1: Yes, great to have you, Mark. Now, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, Minjerabah, the Quandamooka people in North Stradbroke Island and the proposed ventures that could happen. Um, Uh Give us a bit of a a background. You're the opposition member of the area. Um, Where does the state government lie in this development, if it goes, if this proposed development, if it goes ahead? In other words, what powers does the government have, the state government have in organising and the transference of some of this stuff as well?
4: Well, look, I'm glad to have the opportunity to speak to what is a very important subject, um, and that is North Stradbroke Island or Minjeriba, yep. as it's uh, also known uh, in, in the Kondamuka, as the Kondamuka people refer to it. Um, I've been very privileged to now be the uh, member for Parliament in the seat of State Parliament in the seat of uh, uh, Cleveland, formerly yep. Cleveland, now called Ujirru, yep. uh, with the LNP, yep. and Come on. Uh, so and North Stradbroke Island, Minjeriba, is. Uh, part of that electorate. So um, I've been very honoured over now four terms and to start now a fifth term since the state election of being re-elected um, with a, oh, a, an increased margin on North Stradbroke Island, which um, I'm very grateful to the people Congratulations. Uh, to have that opportunity.
1: Do you think the people might like you? Oh,
4: well, look, I, I leave that for others to make those judgments <laughs> <discussions> on. Certainly, <laughs> certainly um, the, polls, the polls suggest that what we've put to them they've they've liked Um, and uh, you know certainly I've I've been uh, uh, working very hard on their behalf uh, in the parliament and in the community to try and uh, largely from opposition but uh, one term of government as well uh, to try and achieve the things and the aspirations that they have on the island and that's you know, that's been an incredibly enjoyable and rewarding task to work with so many uh, wonderful people on the island. A great, diverse uh, mix of people, uh, It's you know, beautiful beaches, pristine environment, um, you know, three townships, about 2,000 plus people. You know, it's a great island and uh, I enjoy going over there um uh, every time I do Face it, there are worse electorates you could be in <laughs> Than <laughs> yeah. travelling yes. to North Stradbroke yeah. Island And yes. going across in the public transport It gives new meaning Nearly bumping into whales and dolphins and turtles on the way So it's a very unique, very magic place uh, North Stradbroke Island Well the
1: consensus of opinion for most of the people around the area Is that you are the peacemaker You're the man that puts the hand out And tries to get people together To work with the, the rights to move forward And make sure everything works out well For everyone within the area
4: well, I've certainly tried to do that. Um, and again, it's a judgment, uh, you know, various people will make in different ways, and that's their right in a democracy to, to form their views. Certainly my background uh, in aid and development work and, ed- and education and multiculturalism prior to coming into Parliament in 2009 has meant that uh, working with uh, Aboriginal families and students when I lived in Townsville in Aboriginal um, and Islander education, that certainly, when I was much younger, gave me some insights into the strengths of Aboriginal culture and uh, and working with people um, of that background, uh, as the Quandamooka are, and I've been very proud to, I guess, informally represent them in the Parliament. There's other bodies through which they have their representation more formally along Indigenous lines, but I've been very proud to take that on myself. But some of that is, is based on a history of having worked in, in uh, with, with other cultural groups, and my, my Master's and PhD in International and Asian Studies has given me a very high view of culture and working with different cultures. And uh, that's something I find uh, very rewarding when I work with the elders, the Kwandamuka elders, the traditional owners, the various families on the island. And I I still believe I have had a lot of support from them at a grassroots level, but it's a broader thing. It's not only all the Indigenous families, it's um, on the island, the non-Indigenous community is... Um, the majority of people. And so it's certainly um, been uh, enjoyable working with the various um, eclectic, diverse mix of of what North Stradbroke Island is today.
0: Where do you see the the future of North Stradbroke Island? What do you see if you had a a plan in place that you could put into action? What would it look like? What would it be? Well, look,
4: I I like to maintain a, a positive outlook about the future of the island. I know that the local people, the local residents and businesses, the small businesses, the tourism operators are very resilient. Um, they uh, have a strong sense of, of local um, identity. They've got a strong sense of if governments would just support them, uh, work with them, that they can actually build and grow their own future. And I think that's really important. I, my view of government is that government should be small, should facilitate and enhance, but uh, largely stay out of the way. We should be there to help um, people help themselves and uh, and and promote themselves. So I think uh, I, I do see a bright future. However, I really do think that governments have to be very careful. It's a sensitive ecosystem. It's a sensitive environment uh, politically now. Uh, the harmony of the island has been, uh, I think, placed a threat by some of the poor uh, decisions made by the. the the state government, the Palaszczuk government, in the last two terms. And I don't want to be political on your program, uh, and I'm going to try to be as fair as I can be, but I'd have to say that under Jackie Trad's uh, directing of the island in the last um, six years or so, five and a bit years, as Indigenous Affairs Minister, Deputy Premier uh, and and as Treasurer, that her policies are now producing a disharmony that was never at the level... um, you know, that it's at now. Uh, she's created winners and losers and quite a deal, do, deal of division now between various Indigenous groups on the island and families and now with some of the uh, non-Indigenous community as well. But having said that, I, I still think there is uh, there is grounds for optimism and that um, we can grow together and grow better together. I think now there's an opportunity without Jackie Trad's divisive policy there. The Labor government now has a chance at a state level... To build a better future for Australia, and I'm certainly in a bipartisan way intending to engage with that, to represent the voices of the various voices off the island, to ensure they get their fair share, and that we we don't leave them in the situation that now um,
1: they are in. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a multitude of people you have to please. It's it makes it very very difficult.
4: Well, well, look, I think you know one of the beauties of, of, of various diverse cultural groups and circumstances on islands like we have at North Stradbroke Island is um, you know that diversity is part of the strength there's lots of different offerings on the island and different types of people that are in small business in tourism uh, and, and it just provides that sort of uh, that mix and variety on strati is part of the beauty of strati so I, I actually think it's a plus we just have to work on the harmony we have to make sure that government doesn't come in and pick winners and leave losers but it must be very uh, very difficult that's
1: the record yeah but it must be very difficult to juggle that because we've got to find something that's going to be economically sound as well as culturally sound as well as environmentally sound for the island yes so you know that 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 juggling must be very very difficult
4: well, look, they are the sensitivities, and that's why it's important to understand the island and understand the residents. And I'm not saying I'm an expert. I've been there now 11 plus years, four terms as the member, and I've learned a lot in that time and right. learned to respect those differences on the island. I haven't always agreed with everything the government's done, and and that's clearly on the record. Um, I haven't always agreed with what every um, community agency on the island has done, and I, I believe there's been some real missed opportunities, but. I, I don't think we want to, um, you know, um, focus on that. That's the past. Right. I think we need to make sure that with this new opportunity the government's got is not squandered. There's been somewhere in the 20s close to $30 million invested in recent years as part of the economic transition. And while there's been a few small projects that are successful, largely the money's been poorly targeted. In that in that time, we probably could have built a new harbour, a, a, a practical... Uh, harbour uh, harbour just for the sake of the the tourism and for better amenity and uh, uh, transport uh, at Dunwich. Um, You know, there's been some good investment in some of the indigenous uh, cultural uh, and environmental um, projects and and some of those have been worthwhile. Um, Some of them, like the projected uh, headlands development, is overdevelopment at Point Lookout. That's had very strong resistance uh, on the island and one of the things I've opposed and said that if we formed a government, the LNP formed a government, we would um, look at whatever measures we could to stop that development. And I, and again, I call on the government to stop that development. It's it's a good yeah. development, but in the wrong place. And, yeah. and I certainly will support um, the development, uh, but it's in the wrong location. Uh, there's too many. It's in a pristine environment right at the gorge, North and South Gorge. There, the at the at the point at Point Lookout, there's just not the capacity around to, to sustain that sort of development uh, the green groups conservation groups uh, many and traditional owners and the small businesses in that point area there including me are opposed to the location of that project again I call on the government to review it and to and to stop it and include the community in their decisions.
0: There's, I know that there's native title on Minjerribah um, my understanding that native title there's two or three different types of native title can you explain that a bit further for us please uh, Mark?
4: Well, look, I, I'm not an expert on native title, but I have supported uh, I- at the beginning and still do the proper uh, land justice for the Kondamuka people. But the other thing that I supported is that that be done in a harmonious way. That be done taking the community with us in a spirit of reconciliation. And while for many of the traditional owners that is the case, um, they have a, uh, a, a an approach of inclusion and working with... Um, the uh, all of the island residents i'd have to say there's a feeling that not everybody has has done that and so native title has been seen in various ways by different people as i said I, I supported it because i i do support land justice for aboriginal people and i think most queenslanders do um it's a matter of then how you go about it so for example the indigenous land use agreement the illawa um i believe should have been a public document uh, years ago now i'm the local member and no Labor government has ever shown me that document. Wow. Yet I'm meant to wow. represent the people in the parliament and input into decisions like that. And again, I would call on the Labor government to stop the secrecy because it's creating division on the island and put out the full Indigenous Land Use Agreement. Now, there's been aspects of it, I think, made public recently in one big, um, one big uh, uh, drop, if you like, of um, one big download of a lot of planning around the townships, and it's caused... Uh, a lot of um, uh, upset because it's been done behind closed doors with Jackie Trad and there's been very little uh, community involvement and many traditional owners say they didn't know what was coming. So I think that's not a way to engender trust uh, and harmony going forward. And now we have this problem of these secret land deals. Yep. We have the problem of land being cleared in places it shouldn't have been right. Um and and we called for an inquiry. An LNP government would have had an inquiry. And again, I call on the government, um, the, the new Palaszczuk government, to as quickly as possible have a, a full parliamentary independent inquiry into what has happened on North Strabroke Island to clear the air, get to the bottom of things. It's not, it's, not, um, it's not a witch hunt. It should be something that helps us understand what's happened and then get proper levels of community involvement in decisions going forward.
1: Right. OK, so... Is it exclusive native title there or non-exclusive?
4: Well, there are, as part of the uh, native title, uh, the Illawar that comes from the native title, yep. um, there are different pieces of land set for different use. So there's exclusive right. use uh, indigenous land. Uh, then there is joint managed uh, land that is like national parks and something like, I believe, right. something like about 80% of the island will be... Um, uh, is, is either now or in the process will be um, in uh, joint-managed National Park. Right. So, and, and there may be other mixed-use areas yet. And, and again, it comes back to what's in the Illawar, which the public don't know.
2: Yeah,
1: so yeah, it doesn't really make it clear, out, does it? Because it, it sounds almost like a non-exclusive native title, but mm. there are some exclusive rights in there as well. I mean... It sounds, a, well, it sounds yeah. like a bit of a toss-up. Yeah. It's like they've combined both together to create one. I, I, I don't fully understand well, They kept it what, secret. Yeah, yeah, they kept it secret, yeah. yeah.
4: Look, the, the issue becomes there are some areas that are designated exclusive use for Aboriginal people, right. some that's uh, mixed use, um, and some that is joint-managed national park, where rangers, for example, um, uh, uh, are employed... As uh, alongside of the National Parks and Wildlife Rangers to help manage that. And I think, you know, th- there's elements of all that that are good and proper. And as I said, we still have to, su- we-, we should be supporting um, proper um, uh, uh, land justice for Aboriginal people. Yeah, so of course. I have, we, uh, at the LNP, myself, we have no issues with that. Most island residents who are fair-minded have no issue that that should happen. It's just how you go about it. Um, and I have to say, The cloak of secrecy around it has just created confusion. It's also mean whenever businesses have come to me and said I want to invest in North Stradbroke Island and they've gone over to do their their research, they've come back and they've said there's too much uncertainty around land tenure for me to risk investing at this point. Now... That's not a healthy situation no. unless government wants to pay all of the bills on the island, and I don't think that's the way yeah. forward. So you can leverage off government investment very substantially with private industry, um, tourism industry that will invest, but you have to have certainty around the land tenure so that they know what their risks are. And that's part of the problem, the the veil of secrecy um, that, that that is around it has meant there's no certainty. There's local businesses now that are waiting on permits to be uh, issued to conduct the business they've been doing for a long time, to continue to do the same thing for a long time, and some of them can only get a lease of one year at a time. You can't conduct and grow a business, uh, many kinds of business, on one-year renewable leases. You've got to have some certainty to invest in the future. These are the things that are not hard if there's a will, but unfortunately, the politics has been the current Labor government has done all of this behind closed doors and it now needs to come out in the open
1: Okay, so it does make it a little bit difficult for the local people, not just people in the island but everyone within the Redlands to understand that native title claims can only be made on certain areas of land or water, just for their own knowledge for example on vacant or unallocated state land but not on residential freehold land or public works like roads, schools or hospitals I think a lot of people are under the misconception sometimes that you know if they give a native title they can take everything that's there, and that does scare uh, yeah. a lot look, of people. Yeah, and,
4: and and look that and that's where again we just need to have on all sides of this so that we can we can move forward clearly with 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 certainty um, and without it being shrouded in secrecy and and the community have involvement. That's why all these things have to be done openly, and and I think some of the myths, some of the fears. Um, you know, some of the things that are overstated may may sort out, and and again, I I, I want to see a reconciled, growing community between yeah. indigenous and indigenous, and non-indigenous and, I, and indigenous, and the government needs to do more. Yeah. Uh, needs to have a public inquiry to start with. Right. Um, it, we need to resolve uh, some of those things. There's also been allegations made by traditional owners, some of the elders, to me, and I can't ignore them. When somebody comes to me as a local member with a body of information that says somebody's doing it the wrong way or the yep. wrong thing, or in breach of the rules and the laws that go around uh, the you know the public funding, uh, I need to act on it. And right, so I've okay. supported uh, an inquiry. And that we need to get to the bottom of that because, again, people have got to be able to trust authorities, government, Um, Indigenous agencies, we need to be able to know they're doing things the right way.
1: Okay, Mark, so we're going to take a short little break at the moment. I'd like you to come back and answer a few questions like that because it'd be great for people to know what your powers are, uh, personally, because I think a lot of people, like I said before, under this misconception of what you can do and what you can't do. So we'll be back in a minute with a bit of a break. Sure.
0: AFM 100.3 This is Searchlight Conversations with Dean and Ken. And tonight, Searchlight puts a spotlight on Minjeriba. Our guest is Mark Robinson, the local member for Ujuru. Very interesting so far, Ken. It's been really, really enlightening to be honest with you. As you said earlier on, you are the opposition to the government, state government at the moment. What is it that you can do to really start getting things moving and getting more cohesion i because a lot of
1: people mark are under, like as, as I mentioned earlier, the misconception yeah. of what the what powers you really do have. So, what can you do?
4: Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very good question. Obviously, should we have won the state election, um, we would have been able to do more and uh, roll out uh, a number of things we committed to do. But I'm still committed to those uh, those objectives. What one of the things that I can do is continue to be a voice in the parliament. for those in government who will listen. And, look, it's not always a a zero-sum. It's not like opposition says one thing, Labor always or government always says the opposite. Sometimes there are meeting in the middle and sometimes there are... Know good people in government will listen, and so, so that's for good me, I will I, I will continue <laughs> to put forward. I mean, I'm trying to be generous here as well, but of you course, know, I, I think you know I do find at times there are people who will listen. Sometimes government ministers uh, will see that something is a reasonable case, and I will so I'll continue to put that forward with reason and um, put my voice forward in the community, uh, in the parliament, from what I hear in the community. So, for example, over a number of years. Um, I continue to be a voice for um, the economic transition. Not always listened to, sadly. The government's gone over the over the top on, on many occasions and done things that were not helpful and the best best use, uh, optimal use of the 30, almost $30 million has not been realised. Mm-hmm. However, for whatever funding in the next four years of, of the current Palaszczuk government is available to the island, there's a number of things they can do. I put out a 10-point... Uh, economic plan or business plan. I'm very happy for them to steal all of my ideas. <laughs> I, I've shared them very openly huh? uh, in the hope they will steal them. They can re- even rebadge them and call them theirs. And uh, the <laughs> island, <laughs> residents will, island, island residents who follow will know where they came from. Generous uh, man. I I not generous mind. If, I don't mind if the intellectual property is not uh, followed through with. Let me put it that way.
0: Well, give so, us your 10-point so plan, Mark. Tell us yeah, what it okay, is. Okay,
4: so j- job creation and economic growth. We need job-creating infrastructure like... Uh, investment in Dunwich Harbour, legacy projects that will generate initial jobs but support uh, other jobs ongoing. Uh, 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 Tourism needs to be sustainable. We don't need a Gold Coast high-rise metropolis, but what we do need is uh, a level of tourism and and the right kind of tourism. Local residents don't want to be swamped with 300,000 tourists suddenly turning up at their door. They do want a growth in it. They want it to be sustainable. So it's a sustainable approach to tourism. Right. Dual branding is another key thing. It's very important that we, we, grow, we, we build on the, the, um, the branding already that's there. Strati, as a destination marketing brand, is substantial. Yes. It's well known. It's very popular for that. We need to add to that Minjera bar as a brand and as a complementary brand, but not a substitutionary brand. It would be a mistake in my view. And with all due respect to my Indigenous friends, it would be a mistake to take away Strati As, as a, So I see a dual branding, uh, one that's inclusive as opposed to exclusively going one way or the other. There are advantages in both uh, Stradi being marketed that way and also uh, for Azmin for specific Indigenous um, uh, tourism opportunities as well. So right. the fourth is small business in the island Our chamber need to be back into the centre. We've got an economic transition. We've got now an economic transition out of recession that needs to happen. Um, the current government sidelined the Chamber of Commerce and the small businesses. That's just incredibly hard to fathom why you would push the business community to the side when it's the business community that will bring the recovery.
1: Government and well, well, what was the, the thinking recovery. behind that?
4: Well, I, my, my understanding of it is that um, perhaps some of the businesses weren't necessarily complying with everything that, that Jackie Trad wanted them to do. And I, my view was, right, it okay. was her uh, pay back to them. Now, again, she's out of the way. Um, and I think there's an opportunity for the government to to bridge that back to the Chamber of Commerce and put them back in the centre uh, so that it's, um, they, they need to invest widely and diversely in the island and the, the, the chamber at the centre is important. Fifthly, we said was no new taxes or tax hikes. You can't tax your way to growth and success, especially in tourism. We had a tripling of the beach, uh, four-wheel drive beach access fee that the previous government placed on the island residents on on visitors to the island who four-wheel drive on the beaches if you triple the price you will not get triple the numbers coming you'll get less numbers yes so when we need a careful sustainable growth in tourism you can't do it by whacking them with taxes there was a fishing tax as well that the government's playing with and i hope they won't roll that out because they never they never really developed that in the uh, so where do those taxes uh, leg- go
1: what what's the benefit the to state the island for that
4: well, it, you know, it's debatable as to what benefit there is, but if it's reduced benefit because there's reduced revenue, because when you overtax exactly, yeah. and then people go somewhere else, you get nothing. Correct. A higher percentage of less is That's not necessarily right. uh, the way to go. So we've we've also earmarked renewable energy future, investing in solar further on the island. Um, I wouldn't, you know, we have to be very careful about wind power on the island. There was a, one of the independents in the election or one of the candidates put forward a... Uh, I believe, a wind farm kind of development and it was going to use one of the lakes on the island. The problem is she hadn't done her homework and that lake no longer exists. So well, this okay. is where people have to be a little wary uh, of independence that can throw lovely ideas that around yeah. that, just don't, okay. that don't work. So we've got to be careful. Seven is attract appropriate investment. Again, you know, I've mentioned that already about greater public visibility around land tenure Eight is a performance audit of the current funding that's gone into the island, $30 million, nothing built. Yes. Uh, very little uh, done. There needs to be an immediate well. audit. Yeah. An immediate audit of that. Um, nine is Dunwich Harbour uh, development and 10 was faster payment of government contracts uh, on the island. So those things will really help um, bring the island back and I trust that the government, they're all free. Uh, the Government can have them and <laughs> and use them, I hope they do, and uh, for the betterment of the island
0: well who do, who do you see that's i mean you've got a ten point plan okay who do you see actually implementing that ten point plan who looks after it? who makes it makes it happen?
4: Well, look, that's a good question as well I, the government's uh, structure has been very bureaucratic, and I would call it a spaghetti mess. They did it once before, this way, and there were several ministers all in this sort of uh, gaggle of um uh, decision making or indecision making at a table, and I think we're seeing the same thing reproduced again. Um, I think they need to have just very clear lines of um, decision making. Um, on, on, it was Kate Jones. Now it, it went from it went from uh, uh, Jackie Trad to Cameron Dick to Kate Jones. Now Kate Jones is gone. We don't know where it is. So I guess the government, with its uh, uh, cabinet reshuffle, will hopefully shed some light on that. Um, but hopefully it's a minister who knows what they're doing. Sadly, Kate Jones was very out of touch. She promised 400 ecotourism jobs, didn't deliver any. Um, Jackie Trud- Trad promised lots of construction jobs at Toon to Harbour, and so far uh, the very big Toon to Harbour that she uh, expanded the size of is, has been, uh, seems to have just slowed right down. So, um, and people have different views on what the scale of that should be, um, but the 1,100 jobs that Jackie Trad promised would come for North Stradbroke Island, people never eventuated. So, wow. you know, we, we really need to be treated... The island residents need to be treated better than that, and it needs to be not this bureaucratic spaghetti mess of government departments. It needs to be clear who's running it, one minister um, and others that work with that minister. It's almost someone disrespectful, is island. It,
1: it's almost disrespectful, well, it is, yeah. And,
4: and, and I, I say again, I mean, my... Lack of uh, my being not involved in these processes. The government never comes to me and gives me briefings unless I ask for them specifically. I'm cut out of the loop as the because I'm in opposition. I believe they should be uh, more bipartisan in their approach. Of right from the beginning, right from the beginning, in when Premier Bly came over to the island and announced what she was going to do, um, I was cut out of that process. I tried to get the opposition, uh, LNP opposition, at the table. We were denied a place. The illa was put in place. It was very much done by only the Labor Party. Um, Now, we've honoured it. We've supported it as best we can. But now it's come out with... um, suddenly dropped out on the community. There was no consultation in that process. It's caught a lot of people by surprise. Um, There are things in it that we really think need to go back to the community for endorsement. Uh, Cameron Dick will argue that's what the next two years are about. But I think it should not have been done the way that they did it i certainly we talk about what my involvement is what difference can i make i'll be imposing myself as best i can right. into those next two years on behalf of the community and bringing the community involvement with me as best i can but there is a better way to do this and that's a bipartisan approach
1: that's fantastic to hear
0: Yeah, it's certainly something... I mean, it's such a beautiful part of Queensland, but particularly a beautiful part of of the local area as well. And I think everyone has the same agenda. They just want to look after the place. They want to do what they can to make it the best possible. And there's a lot of passion that goes with that. And, of course, with passion, you're always going to get just a disopposing views. And there's in in the process of putting this program together, we talked to an awful lot of people, and some of the feedback we got was really interesting, to be saying the least. Um, Where I'm getting at is with the, the current uh, kayak over there, the Kondamooka-Uluburraby Aboriginal Corporation. Um, how do you see them fitting into the, the future of the island according to your 10-point plan?
4: Well, look, I think um, kayak, by way of the um, uh, former legislation put in place by uh, the uh, uh, initially the Bly government, the kayak was the prescribed body corporate um that uh is part of that legislation and um they uh they have a role uh in terms of native title matters uh and um you know that's a role that goes back to the federal court uh to the court's determination that um uh consent determination that native title be awarded to the quandamooka people um that's respected that's understood um the challenge that there is, is there's a diverse spectrum of views amongst the Kwandamuka people, that there's a view amongst a good number and a growing number of the elders that not all of those traditional owners have had their views respected, and that not all of them have been uh, felt welcome as part of um, the prescribed body corporates uh, function. Now Kayak will argue, uh, differently to that, they will say everyone can come to the meetings and have their say. Some um, people will say, we don't feel like we're wanted at the meetings, we're, we feel like we've been victimised after and there's been, uh, and it's no secret that there has been violence and threats and intimidation. And, wow. you know, that's not my accusation. Um, that's what traditional owners and others have said, I know through the police, that is true and that has happened. Uh, And I actually have also been subject to violent intimidation. And that's completely unacceptable for a member of parliament to be threatened Mm -hmm. with acts of violence if he does his duty. So I was threatened that if I were to um, support an inquiry into the the reported reports, allegations of financial irregularities and conduct um, by some of the senior kayak officials that I would be dealt with violently. Now, that actually is an offence. Absolutely. uh, The contempt of the parliament to threaten a a member of parliament from doing his duties. Now, that is something that the police are investigating and I'm going to leave them to do their work, their operational matters. But I think how sad is that, that someone like me, who's pro-Aboriginal, who's worked in Aboriginal and Islander education for nine years in a previous uh, uh, career, who has a high view of Aboriginal culture who wants to support all of the traditional owners, that because the situation was allowed to become divisive, again, I blame Jackie Trad for most of that, that that, that environment now um, does not really lend itself to harmony and people working together. There are other agencies like Osprey, a new agency on the island, a new uh, representation of the traditional owners. There's the Minjirabah um, Magumpan elders in council, That's one of the historic agencies as well. Um, So there are different groups that I believe should be allowed side by side to do their work. Um, If a centralised organisation over the top um, is not doing what it should be doing, then I think that needs to be looked at. And I I say that with all respect, and no doubt there will be some that will turn those comments into racial comments. There's no racial filter in my mind over that. I absolutely have loved over my careers in education and in uh, Parliament, working with Aboriginal people. I have a high regard and respect. I have a number of friends. And so it's sad when the, my comments are turned into racial. Um, however, I do need to make those comments because that's the truth on the island.
1: Well, it's terrible if those things are occurring. It's not good. It should not be. That's so no. very unprofessional. And if you're going to move forward in anything in this world, we have definitely have to work together. Together.
0: There's, that's the key word, isn't and it? And
1: we're not always going to agree. No, but if that's you think right. standing over someone or trying to beat someone that's going to change anything, mate, you're in for a rude awakening. It doesn't happen that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, well
4: anyway. I, I, I'd like to think there's a better way forward, and I'd like to think that, and this is my personal view, this is not necessarily an LNP view, but I'd just say, I, I, I believe that Kayak needs to find a new management style, and I believe Cameron Costello has an opportunity to do that he will need to convince a whole lot of other traditional owners that they are able to do that. Now, that's not for me. That's not for me as a um, an Anglo-Saxon to interfere in those internal Indigenous matters. And I give and that undertaking to the Indigenous community that that's not my... Uh, a purpose. I want to see them working more functionally and, and more healthy together because I think people want to come over to Australia and have a wonderful Indigenous yes. experience. They want to come and see, uh, that ancient culture and, and hear the stories and hear course, about yes. the walking trails and, 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 you know, and, and a lot of that deep history that has been preserved, some of it. And I think people want to do that. And I, I don't think they want to see people behaving uh, in a way. Um, that's intimidating of their fellow Indigenous leaders. Yeah. And uh, that saddens me when that happens. And I, I would like to think we can start the, the slate clean and, and that we can all somehow work together in a more harmonious way. And, and I'm certainly offering that as a Member of Parliament. But Kayak needs to realise, I mean, I, that's one of the few organisations in this whole electorate of now called Ujuru or Cleveland that I never get invited to their AGM. Oh, I have okay. political groups that have never supported me. That invite me to their AGM and I go to that when invited. I have all kinds of groups come to see me. They don't necessarily support me or vote for me, but I try to be colorblind in how I do my job. Yet there is one agency that has never invited me to their meeting, um, and I can't even get a coffee with Cameron Costello without Minders being there. Now, I, I think that that's not a basis for moving forward and I would again invite Cameron, invite me, up, ask me for coffee, I will try to come with a with a clean start on all of this. Um, but he has a big job to convince other traditional owners mm. to work harmoniously with them now that Jackie Trad's cover is gone.
1: Well Mark, Ma- you're definitely putting out the olive branch out there. Absolutely. I think that's, it's, 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 it's on air now, yeah. it's out there to be seen. Mate, I'd like to thank you very, very much for tonight Mark, it's been enlightening. And um, on hopefully that we'll move forward with all this. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, well ho-
4: hopefully we can and we can heal some of the wounds and keep, keep, you know, we can grow together over a long period of time. A of lot course. can be done. If you look at Indigenous and non-Indigenous relationships, um, uh, you know, a lot has been done over the years um, to build better and stronger and closer relationships. And that's what I'm committed to.
1: Fantastic.
0: Mark, thank you so much for joining us on Searchlight Conversations tonight. It's been an absolute delight having you with us. Absolute uh, pleasure, yes. As it happens, we've got uh, Cameron Costello in the wings. He'll be our next guest on the program. So I want to say thank you so much for tonight and uh, uh, let's hope we can all move forward and make a harmonious and prosperous area uh, through Minjiraba and the local area. The local MP, Mark Robinson, thank you very, very much.
4: My pleasure. My pleasure.
0: AFM 100.3. This is Searchlight Conversations with Dean and Ken. And tonight, Searchlight Conversations throws the spotlight on Minjeriba. Our next guest is Cameron Costello, who was a University of Queensland graduate with a Bachelor of Laws honours in 2005. Mr. Costello is a Quandamooka man and is currently the CEO of Quandamooka Uluburaburribi Aboriginal Corporation, or otherwise known as Kayak. Kayak is a registered prescribed body corporate, PBC, created under the Native Title Act 1993 to manage the recognised native title rights and interests of the Quandamooka people. In this role, Mr Costello is responsible for balancing the competing demands of achieving sustainable economic outcomes, while also ensuring the interests of the Quandamooka people are representative. Kayak has three key strategy goals, and that's to secure the Quandamooka estate, to engage and protect the Quandamooka knowledge, and to become self-sufficient mister Costello works closely with the Quandamooka people and elders, the government and industry to progress strategic plans while focusing on sustainable and culturally appropriate economic development. This includes jointly managing national parks and running the one hundred percent Aboriginal owned campgrounds on both Minjiriba, North Stradbroke Island, and Muddle Gulpin Morton Island. Good evening, Cameron Costello. Good evening, Cameron. Yura, uh,
5: hello, um, from Kondamuka Country. It's great to be on the show.
0: Thank you for yep, inviting me. That's great that you would
1: be on, Cameron. Thank Much you. I
0: appreciate it. Pleasure to have you here. It's a very interesting conversation we've had so far this evening already, Cameron. We've had a chat to uh, Cameron, uh, to Mark Robinson and also to Peter Mitchell, and it's been a very interesting conversation. One of the things we're trying to figure out um, is what does native title mean, and how does it relate to all that happens on the Kondamuka Coast? Yeah,
5: um, the... The best way to explain native title came um, out of the decision, uh, the Mabo decision back in the early 90s and essentially it was about um, the rights to land and uh, essentially uh, the High Court of Australia ruled that if you were an ongoing society, that um, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander society, that could um, prove that you'd existed um, uh, post-colonial times, then and you had uh, a system of rights to land, and that uh, was evident, then um, you were, um, could have native title rights. And so native title rights are basically, um, for example, the practical way to look at it is actually at the um Native Title Determination, which says it explains the types of rights that you have to um, enact on your land um, if you prove that you, you have a connection to that country. So for us, it's the right to live on country, the right to conduct ceremony, the right to take traditional natural resources like trees and plants and, um, you know, fish and stuff like that. So uh, there's a range of different rights, and really that's what it is, is is what are those rights that have survived um, colonial um, times that you can prove uh, to the courts, and then the courts enshrine those rights and they make that enforceable. So there's two types of different um, rights, which are... They call exclusive possession rights and non-exclusive possession rights. And essentially, the difference between the two is that um, non-exclusive rights mean that you you, can, you hold those rights, but you don't um, exclude everybody else. So, for a practical example, is um, the Kondia people's rights over the water are non-exclusive rights. That means we have the right to go and use the waters and fish and stuff, but not we can't say you can't go on those waters because um, people have the right to go and fish and stuff themselves. Right. So those are not exclusive rights, but exclusive rights are uh, where you do have a right to exclude you, excluding the world at large. And so of the native title claim that the Quandamooka people got in 2011, which was over 54,000 hectares of land and sea on and around Minjerabah, North Stradbroke Island, there was actually uh, about 2,200 hectares where there is exclusive possession, where the Quandamooka people essentially have the right um, to, to do their rights at the exclusion of everybody else.
0: Well, OK. So as a whole, you've got a combination of both of those rights on, in different parts of the, yeah. of the area. OK, I understand. Yeah,
5: so so the vast majority, you know, if we've got 54,000 hectares of, of native title land and sea, um, you know, that's uh, around 51,000, one and a half thousand is non-exclusive rights, which means that we have the right to live and conduct ceremony, but quite often where there's a... Um, it's it's almost like a sharing of those areas as well. So yeah. you navigate that sort of process. So um, that that's how it's it's awarded. And, and so I think the native title um, what, what they do, if I could just explain, is when you get a native title claim, you you, you say here's the map of where our rights are, where the Kwantunguka country is, and then what they will do is assess nearly every parcel of land that's there. And and so there's there's um. Uh, types of land that have different rules with native title. So, for example, people who have owned their ho- house on freehold land, um, that the rule in Australia is that freehold land extinguishes native title. So yeah. even though native title um, may have existed, a particular type of act, um, the, f- the granting of freehold to people's houses extinguishes native title, which is why, I guess, since 1933, the Native Title Act was in um, and that no one's lost their house to native title, um, yeah. which is one of the, you know, there was a great sort of fear, but uh, there's, there's different things where, uh, you know, freehold land um, extinguishes native title, but things like um, mining leases uh, don't. So what happens is it nearly suppresses the native title, which is what happened on Minjerabah, when mining occurred through the system and it didn't extinguish native title. And so as mining leases are handed back or given up, uh, native title um, is
3: there and the Quandamooka people
0: have the right to start land. Okay. Well, okay. In, in, in the little introduction I, I did for you to uh, Cameron, the, we mentioned that KAYAK, which is the Quandamooka Yulaburubi Aboriginal Corporation or QYAC has three c- uh, key strategic goals to secure the Quandamooka estate to engage and protect the Quandamooka knowledge and to become self-sufficient. Could you expand on those for us please?
5: Yeah, so um Securing the estate is basically about um, taking forward the uh, native title claims that had been authorised by the Kondamuka people. So the the one over Minjarabau had occurred, um, but there was still, when you look at the map of where Kondamuka country is, with Kondamuka being more bay, there was still a lot more of um, land claims to be undertaken to restore our rights. Um, and so, uh, in November last year, you would have heard that uh, the Kurnamuka peoples de- reached a consent determination. With a uh, consent determination, is where all the parties get around the state government, the Australian government, and local councils agree um, by consensus that the that the um, the Aboriginal group or Torres Strait Islander group has shown and demonstrated the evidence that they have an ongoing connection and they secure those rights. Um, and that that occurred over Morton Island, Mulgumpin, last year. So. Securing the estate is, is one of the jobs that we keep doing um, is to make sure we uh, keep progressing and resolve um, for, for all of Kwanabuka country what areas uh, that native title continues to exist and where it doesn't. So that's that first one. Um, the second one was uh, is about uh, utilising our traditional knowledge um, and, and essentially that's about looking at how we uh, utilise the knowledge of our... Um, Indigenous knowledge around particular areas that we we utilise country for. So for an example, um, we jointly manage the national parks. So one of the key outcomes of Native Title has been uh, a joint management arrangement with the state government to manage our national parks and how we are able to then use our traditional knowledge to enhance um, fire management principles and land management principles. So what you've found on Minjerabah is that we've had a great Um, combination of traditional knowledge with modern science in really uh, creating uh, excellent, um, world-class fire management practices that are making our communities uh, and townships safe. So when the bushfires were raging around Australia at the start of the year, and towards last year, everyone was talking about Indigenous knowledge, and we'd already, be, we'd already been doing that on Quantum of the Country for quite a few years, so we're ahead of that. The other thing's around, you know, um, how we utilise our local knowledge to uh, enhance our economy. So, for example, uh, developing eco-cultural tourism. So how do we use our knowledge to derive those uh, sorts of economic benefits, um, social benefits, uh, environmental benefits so how are we looking at preserving we are also the registered cultural heritage body so how we preserve uh, cultural heritage sites that are important for our community as well so that's that one and then becoming self-sufficient is obviously looking at how kayak as a body um, derives those revenue streams so that we become a viable sustainable organisation for the Quandamooka people and that's where we've been engaging on uh, different things around um, eco-cultural tourism so that we can uh, I guess the priority for us is to be a viable, um, you know, uh, organisation that continues to provide employment opportunities for our people and the way to do that is to ro- to continue to derive um, revenue from that.
1: Right, OK.
0: With the uh, the, the Kayak c- uh, Committee, it is a... I'm going to get the, the... It's a PBC, so it's a Registered Prescribed Body Corporate, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and that's... So,
5: so how it works, yes. yeah, so how it works with Native Title is under the Native Title Act, um, which is the the Commonwealth Law... Oh, um,
0: 1993, if, if
5: yeah. A, uh, yeah. Yeah, 1993. So if a, if a, um, if a, a people, like the Kwanamooka people, uh, are awarded a determination of native title, those rights and interests um, have to be managed by a body. And so every, every uh, native title group um, has to set up a prescribed body corporate or a registered native title body, they also call them, and they are the body that... Represents the people, um, so we represent the Kondia people as a whole, the native title holders, and um, our job is to do that. And we, and each of those uh, native title bodies is registered under the Office of the Registrar of Indigenous Corporations, or OREC, as we call it. So um, the way that we're set up with Kayak is that uh, when the court assessed our evidence, it found that we're our society, the Kondia people, was comprised of twelve, um, the descendants of twelve. Uh, ancestors or apical ancestors we like to call them and so they're 12 uh, families and so our board is set up and our governance is arranged so that there's a there's a director's position for each of those 12 families um, on our board and they're elected by their family. Uh, yeah so we're a not not-for-profit um, yep. and our goals and uh, so so we're under ORIC and uh, regulated by the Office of Register Indigenous Corporations and people can go to the the website there and see our, um, you know, our annual returns and and um, our membership and stuff. So, yeah, that's how how we roll.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a big organization You've got 800 members, apparently.
5: Yeah, we're actually the largest. Um, I think it's something really, something for us to be really proud of in Redlands is that we are the largest um, membership-based prescribed body corporate in Australia. We are one of the PPCs that is leading the country, and um, quite often we are... Um, we're, we're approached by other new native title bodies to see how we've done it and what we're doing, and they see the great outcomes that are being achieved in on Kondamuka country around management of national parks, about how we engage with um, you know uh, government and industry and universities, and so it, it, we, we were the first, uh, I think, native title body in uh, native title determination in southeast Queensland, and so being so close to a capital city uh, is is unusual for native title um, determinations. And so there's a whole range of different complex issues that we've had to navigate, which um, it's kind of like we're all on this journey together, us, government, community. And it's unusual because um, when I say unusual, it's because most determinations will happen or occur in a, in a area where there's uh, mostly Aboriginal people living. Whereas we're in a new position where um, on the Jeroboam, for example, that, Uh, there's actually a larger non-Indigenous population than there is Indigenous. So that, you know, there's social um, complexities and journeys together that we have to navigate, which uh, we're all doing the best, very best we can. And I think we are moving towards that. And and we've had mining finishing, so we've had a transition from mining. um, You know, we're in a... Uh, you know, Moreton Bay Marine Park, which is one of the. I think uh, it's actually a fact that more people um, utilise the, the Moreton Bay Marine Park and the visit the Great Barrier Reef Marine Park purely of the population of Southeast Queensland. So, caring for country, caring for culture, and caring for people is a journey that we're all on together. And um, yeah, it's it's always going to have its ups and downs and its bumps along the way. But what I've found is that there's such a great moment when traditional knowledge. And modern science or our, or our combined uh, collaboration comes through a process and what comes out the other end is something usually really unique and powerful and strong and successful. And um, so so whilst we, we go on this journey together, it's one that uh, I think we look back and um, we'll be very uh, proud of, as, a, as the Redlands community to say, we've actually got uh, a native title determination and we've got a, a really proud history and history and, um, We've just had so much support out there and a willingness to want to work together, which is amazing.
0: I, I can only imagine what it, how difficult it is to get 800 people to agree on anything. Um, it's it's a, it's quite a feat to get 800 people in a committee to to sort of come to a consensus. I'm sure that uh, it's, 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 hard it's hard a job to and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to get the family yeah. to yeah. for dinner, isn't it? I mean, let alone have yeah, 800
5: and, people. And absolutely, and I think... Um, one of the parts, of, one of the things that my role as a CEO is to actually go in and educate people that the Kanemuka people are a society, and like every society, like the broader society, there's a wide range of political views. On you know, we've got people who vote, you know, might vote for Labor and the Greens and the LNP and One Nation and Clive Parliament. So there's no, you know, there's a difference of opinions, and I think what I found for, we're going through a since we've got time what I call a Kanemuka Renaissance period. So arts and culture and, and even po- politics within our own community is thriving at the moment. So, you know, uh, getting people to decide is, you know, there's, it's no different to, you know, uh, the, the elections and the voting systems of, of every other society. So uh, we, we, the way we work is that we, um, but one of the critical things uh, that, that uh, I have to educate people on is um, when we have the benefits of native title. So for example, land, or if there's mining royalties, the rules are that um, they're a benefit to the to the group so if we were to distribute royalties for the group the group has to decide that and authorize kayak I can't just go out and unilaterally do anything with those benefits so that would require us to have an authorization meeting of the whole group and put that out and advertise it and then we would have to then um, you know present the business case and then the group um, it could be up to 800 most most of the time, because we've got such a dispersed area of people, um, we did have the largest authorisation meeting in Queensland history uh, last year, um, and that was around 400 people. So that was um, you know 400 people making their decision. It's a very powerful decision, um, and that's the beauty of it, right? Is I, I it's not me making the decision. I actually present the case, and then it's our yeah. people vote. And so when I'm standing up and talking, I know that I've got. The group has endorsed that, so I, I kind of feel empowered to stand up and speak when I know that you know, 360 of the 400 people actually voted to do this, and so um, it's it's a pretty um, amazing and it's a humbling experience too yeah. as well when you. Um, have people entrust you to go and do that stuff? So yeah, but you must get, you uh, must you must go through
1: uh, uh, some troubles when it comes to people that want to stick to a traditional belief and other people that want to progress with the society and yep. so on. I mean, you must have I, there must be some friction there, especially when it comes I, to future development you know, and, and so
5: on. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we've just been watching a number of elections recently, and it's no different. Really, for me, it's it's like there's campaigns, you know, there's you know. People want to be leaders and they want to be, you know, so they have running campaigns and stuff. So yeah. All that stuff plays out and that's that's the natural part of, um, you know, it's almost, almost de- democracy, isn't it, really? People get to have their say and they have their views and people who don't, you know, there's no suppression of those views. People get to say what those views are and people get to listen and agree with them or not agree and that's right. um, that really is part of, of a very great society and I think that's, you know, it's never going to be easy and people may not, and people... You know, a decision will go through, and some people will never be happy with
1: that decision. So, so, so what do you think? Um, what do you think is causing the? the is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, what do you think is you think is causing the, the current conflict? Do you think it's just the factors that people aren't educated or not understanding, they have some type of clarity of what's actually going on at the moment? Do you think that's what's causing it, or?
5: Well, I think it's I think it's a combination of factors. I think that there are people who um, may not understand the issue. Um, there right. may not be enough. They might not have enough information. So. You know there are um you know politics at play, and so people will fill that information void for them right um and so that 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 sort of uh plays out as well so you know, and that's part of campaigning and, well, and and convincing people that your side of the story is the right one. How how do and, people uh, get
0: information then? How do they access that kind of information? Because there's there's a lot of um, a lot of questions that were sent in to us uh, over the last couple of days regarding this issue, and there's there's a common thread through yeah. them. But I think it comes back to a communication thing. So how do people access information?
5: Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a number of ways. Like I think people will have to like read and understand what's, what is out there from either Kayak or the government. Um, there's a lot of stuff that plays out on social media, which, um, you know, I, I kind of... I think you, you've got to go to the source really, of, of where yeah. it is and ask the, either the, you know, the government or the, the parties that are directly involved and get the information back from them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if people... Then people can make the decision whether they believe it or not, but... Typically, I'd go to the, the actual sources of, of information that, that can be provided. So who's, you know, who's the
0: source it, that you'd contact at Kayak?
5: Um, so you would just generally contact Kayak itself, like mm-hmm. through its admin
2: mm-hmm.
5: uh, admin offices and stuff like that. So, through the website um, or something? That, that's the best. Yeah, 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 on the website or, or just the admin at kayak.net.au. Uh-huh. Email address is the best way to go. And, um, yeah, f- for us, I think that's the, the key thing for... Um, for us with the, the, the actual um, t- temporary local planning institu- um, instrument was that um, the, the context hasn't really been laid out, I don't think, well enough for people. And what happened with Native Title when the determination occurred back in 2011 was that was after 16 years of negotiation between the state and, and, and uh, the Quandamooka people um,
2: yeah.
5: and local government. And one of the things is that, uh, you know, with the court... Clearly, you know, um, you know, and most parties recognising that yes, the Aboriginal people's land was taken, and sometimes that was taken unlawfully, um, then that amounts to compensation. So there's a discussion around, you know, what, how do you compensate somebody who has had their land taken from them unlawfully? And um, there was no big money payout for the Kondia people. A lot of discussions were around. Things like uh, access to land um, that they could then utilise for social, cultural, economic purposes, or you know, mining royalties. Um, and for us, one of the key things, an outcome between both council and the state, was the granting of the campgrounds to the Kondia people. So that was right. a business, actual business. That so so on that point, with the land, was uh, there was an opportunity out of compensation for the Quandamooka people was to provide land to them. So there was no big money payout. It was like, we don't have big money, but there's opportunities for land. And so the land process, but the process of of what land, um, came back to the state government and the Quandamooka people and the local council undertaking a planning process to see what the best use of land was. So it wasn't, we weren't granting land over here, and then you go and find out later that, but actually, you can't actually build on there or you can't, you know, um, do tourism there because it just doesn't suit it from a planning perspective. So the planning has been undergoing since 2012 to look at um, appropriate areas for, for the Kwanamooka people to unlock their aspirations, and that, that's that been ongoing. So for me, this is a compensation matter as much as anything else. So this is about actually compensating the Kwanamooka people and, and allowing them to, um, you know, live on their lands and unlock their lands uh, for a whole range of different things. So, for, for example, um, at the start of Native Title uh, in 2011, there was only 2% of the islanders' national park. The Quantamooka people have agreed to that almost being 80% for conservation. So currently it's sitting at 50%, so we're gradually moving that up. So we're, unlo- we're there was a lot of shared values about conservation for the island, so we've been very proactive um, and the the people agree to that. So I've agreed to 80% national park. But we also need, as the people moving forward, like any group, any city, um, places to live. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Cameron, we've covered a fair far. bit of territory so far. Um, yeah. We'd just like to, like to take a, a quick break right now and come back and pick it up from there if that's okay with you.
2: No problem. Cool.
0: Searchlight Conversations, tonight we throw a spotlight on Minjeriba. Our very special guest is Cameron Costello, the chairman of Kayak. Now, we've, we've covered a fair bit of territory so far. In, in the process of the interviews we've had tonight, we've had some kind of feedback that there's been a few issues um, between Kayak and people trying to get involved with activity on the island and the future of development and stuff like that. Um, we've got a couple of questions. Do you mind asking uh, if I ask you a couple of questions that have been thrown in by listeners? Do you mind? No, that's fine. guess right. Okay. Well, the, the first question that I've got here is: Where has the thirty-one million dollars in sand mining royalties offered to Kayak gone, and who has benefited from these funds? I think you sort of touched on it a bit earlier on, and so that kind of led me to yeah. this particular question. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Look, thanks. That's a that's a great question. I don't. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to think the thirty one million dollars in, roy- <laughs> in royalties, but there's not. Um, so if you just go to our annual report, and now each year we have our audited financials, which we provide to Oric. and so right. um, the mining royalties are all still held and accounted for in a separate account, and they're up to about nine million now. So. I think they're averaging around 750000 800000 a year. Um, and I think, I think this, this year might be the last year that we will get mining royalties. But, yeah, there's only uh, only nine, around $9 million in royalties that is accrued over the time, and the interest um, goes stays in that account. So we're required as the prescribed body corporate to hold those royalties on behalf of the Quandamooka native title holders, yeah. and we cannot act or touch those royalties without their direct um, authorisation and direction. So at this point, the native title holders, the Kornamooka people have said, we just want you to keep that and the interest in an account. So that's where it is. And it's yeah all accounted for in there. Um, you can just check our audit reports on that one.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, another question that's come in, there's been some developments planned for newly zoned areas of bushland. And the question is how many houses, how and what style of commercial ventures are planned and what industrial areas are planned for Minjerribah by Kayak?
5: Yeah, so um, that's a great question because that's where I think a lot of confusion has lied in, uh, has come into play, and that is that there's no development applications whatsoever.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll interject on a little bit. We actually spoke to uh, Mr Mitchell and he said the same Same thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. There's been no submissions put forward for any future developments at the present time.
5: Yeah, and that's right because what we, like I was saying, what we've essentially done is just looked at the type of land and what may be done in the future. So we've had to sort of, all of is a rezoning to allow down the track. And the quantum people may not decide to do anything, you know, for many, many years. And um, that, that really is just a rezoning. There's no applications that have gone in. Um, the process that we've done to sort of look at those zonings has been through uh, planning experts, but also from the Quandamooka people themselves back in 2012-13 was just asking what are their aspirations down the track. So, right. um, you know, for for, for for example, once mining finishes on the enterprise mine site, what do Quandamooka people think could happen there? So there's been all these great, um, you know, what, things that we're looking to... to um, our, we've asked our mob about yeah. what, what would you like to see how do can, can I, do? I just can clarify just something
1: uh, For a moment yeah. Cameron So you, uh, the mob you're talking about Or the Quandamooka people Or the uh, body corp You're talking about the Aboriginal elders They're consulted um, So what I'm
5: talking about so, so basically we had a number of workshops with, For our community So it was right. all the like any Quandamooka person could turn up right. um, Essentially and, and as a, so as a community, as the Kornamooka people, whether it was elders or um, right. you know, just the general Kornamooka population, they came and right. went through the process of saying, oh, here's, here's land that's coming back. What would you like to see happen on that okay. land down the track? And that, so there was like reports on up and they fed into the, um, into the process. So there was a committee, there's a land use planning committee that was set up with council, kayak and the state government. Right. And it's been through this process of... Looking at the different things around, you know, uh, you know, impacts and and uh, you know things like coastal erosion. So you're not going to go and build something, you know, somewhere where it's going to be eroded and that sort of stuff right. as well. So, so do the um, Aboriginal
1: elders have a higher standing within the meeting due to the fact they the Aboriginal elders? Oh,
5: well, elders do have yep. a <laughs> they do have a a, a good standing, um, and so yeah, we, you know, naturally, um, yep elders do have a uh, strong role in what happens in our community um and we've got a large we've got a large number of elders as well so uh they have their ways of doing things amongst themselves as well so mm-hmm that's
1: the other um, it, it know, must be very yeah, very that's difficult that's having to deal with so many different types of situations dealing with council dealing with state government dealing with with, with the aboriginals as well as the mm-hmm. people Residence. in general the yeah. residents yeah. Yeah. so it's a very very difficult yeah. uh, situation
5: ah oh, and so and, and like we're saying native titles a new new concept in australia yep. even though it's been going since the 90s are uh, actually working through these issues
2: is we're really, 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 really doing this for
5: the first time in a lot of places um, and so, you know, I I totally understand um, you know, people's um, you know, anxiety or confusion or uh, that where, where it's something new and hasn't happened before they could be scared and yeah. um, I think that's the thing I was trying to, what what I think we need to do is maintain, What I'm hoping is what I want to see more is better leadership in that area. So what we don't need are leaders feeding the fear. And I think that's been an issue that has arisen that needs to be addressed. And so feeding on people's fears of the unknown doesn't help anybody.
0: True.
1: Well, our our, our previous... Uh, uh, interviews they've, uh, Mr Mitchell as well as Mr Robinson, Mark Robinson, said uh, they'll gladly sit down and have a cup of coffee with you any day of the week, any day of the week, yep, to discuss yeah, to move yeah. forward, which is great to hear.
5: Oh, totally. I, I have no problems with that, mate. I, I um, I think it would be good for community. Um, yeah. It would be good for uh, you know everyone to work together. And I, you know, I, I think um, as we're moving forward, the the leadership. Local, state, even business and First Nations leadership—they all need to be in a united uh, front moving forward. That's it, um, and that's only—that will only be a good thing for uh, you know for the Redlands. Coast, so yeah. I'm always open to those suggestions. Well, the whole the whole idea like
1: the added, yeah, the of the program tonight was to yeah, the whole idea of the program tonight was add a bit of clarity to everything. So we've got the councilman has told us that we can. He's given particular sites that people can contact, view, yes. watch, and learn. And 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 he also gave what the council can do, what the council can't, can't do. do. Yep. Um, Mark Robinson, MP, did exactly the same thing, said this is what he can do and what he can't do, and a lot of it's left up to the state government to make decisions. So with your particular group, is there a particular website that all guys can go to to learn more about it, the situation and so on? Can you get one on there for us?
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you go to our website, mm-hmm. um, Which particularly is? if you can get copies of our annual reports, they yep. outline in great... I mean, they're like, 50, 60 pages of
2: mm.
5: what all the stuff we do on country as well as our yep. audited financials and stuff. So people who have questions about, oh, how much, you know, where, where do you, where, do, where are there mining watches Yes, there are. Yep. Um, so, yeah, if they want to go to our website, um, you know, it's, which is www.qyac.net.au. Can you say that um, you know, one more time, they're they're,
1: please? They can just email us. Yeah, is it
5: qyac.net.au.
1: Great. Yeah. Well mate, um, I think I think that's the whole okay. idea think, of it, you know? The other
5: one too is there's by Futures, if they just type in Vingera by Futures, that's the government site for right. all the projects that are happening on the island
4: as
1: well. Yep, so awesome.
5: I think that's it. But but we do need we do need uh, particularly, you know, local councillors and the mayor and Mark as the state MP and Andrew Lemming. Yep. They all
1: need to be um you know. Well that sounds like one government. hell of a coffee date to me, mate. I mean, <laughs> you know does.
5: it'd be fantastic.
1: Mate, you'll have to reach in your pocket and pull out money for cake and everything. It's
5: his shout, Mark. And shout, no sugar. Mark, you
1: hear that? It's your shout. If it happens, it's your shout, my friend.
0: So, so my understanding right now, Cameron, that you're throwing out an invitation to all those guys to sit around the table with you, and discuss a few things and move forward.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah Excellent. Hey, I, 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 I meet I meet with the mayor. Um, you know. Fairly regularly, so um, you know I'm always open to meeting people. You know. Okay, so the mood here's mood.
1: the next thing we're going to throw at you. When are we going to get one of the the Quandamooka uh, uh, storytellers on our radio station?
5: Ah, oh, mate, when I when I can uh, sort out which one it is because they're all fighting to get on there <laughs> to do
1: it. we <laughs> well send them all <laughs> over. Send them all over. Send yeah, them all exactly. over, and we'll yeah. choose which one. <laughs> uh,
5: Look, I think, it, I think that's, that'd be fantastic. I think um, understanding and he, I think hearing the story. Like, what our What's great about Redlands Coast is, is just the, the traditional stories, the stories about how, how things were formed and uh, created. Um, all of our region needs to understand that, and they, once they do... Uh, then they will become the custodians of those stories as well. Oh, mate, well,
1: that's what we want to hear, and fantastic. we're waiting for it.
0: Yep, there's an invitation to you yep. for that. There's, there's the, the invitation.
1: That's it, yep. mate. We're waiting for you now. No worries. I'm, I'm I don't want you to rush about it, but if you can get it to me within the hour, it would be fantastic. <laughs> 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 I want <do> to do <laughs> one of our great
5: storyteller elders to come on there, and I think that, that would be That would be absolutely think, fantastic. Um, we're heading into twenty twenty one, which is the year of uh the Premier of Queensland extended the year of Indigenous Tourism into twenty twenty one. I think it'd be uh, you know, an amazing thing to have some regular stuff on BFM yep, uh, around great. what's happening on country and uh, be great, Mike. you know, it's NADOC week this week so it is. I just wanna um acknowledge that, that this uh, you know, we're always was, always will be. It's Quantumberger Country on Redlands Coast. We're all uh, there now. And uh, Aunty Ujuru, uh, uh, Carnie Kath Walker, would have uh, she, her, her birthday the other day. Yes. Uh, she would have turned 100. So I think, uh, you know, yeah. she always says, To our fathers, fathers, the pain is sorry. To our children's children, we're glad tomorrow. And that's yep. where I keep going back and saying, That's fantastic. All of us. Now, well, and mate, we're non-Aboriginal. We've got a job to work together to 100 for our children. Hundred
1: percent. Thank you very much for tonight, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for making the effort, and uh, it's been Enough very problems. interesting, very informative. It's good and to hang
2: out with the best of the best.
1: Oh, that's it, You're mate. So kind. <laughs> You're not talking about Ken, are you? You're talking about me, aren't you? So, yeah. I mean, you have to be talking about me. You couldn't be talking <laughs> I'll let about you Ken.
0: Talk about that Fantastic, <laughs> Cameron Costello, Thank you very much for joining us on Searchlight Conversations tonight. Thank you, Cameron. you
2: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Well, there it is. There's our Searchlight conversation for tonight. And what an incredible set of conversations we've had tonight, Dean.
1: Yeah, I think it was quite informative, which is good. I think that's what the the locals
0: and the local people in the area needed to hear? Well, I think the aim of the program that you and I were talking about earlier on was really to start unravelling some of this knot that's in there because there's in the process of getting this conversation to air, there's been a, a huge amount of research gone into it and there's been a lot of contentious issues to talk about. There's been a lot of questions that have come in that really have no answers and people are just asking, where do we find the answers to these questions? Yeah, And hopefully we've answered the, that tonight, so you could there's resources, there's places you can go to at least to get started. Yeah. But I think the thing that, if anything comes out of this tonight is don't give up, keep at it, yeah, keep asking the questions, keep looking in a bit deeper, and I think sooner or later that togetherness that's everyone's been looking for will eventually get into the place and in, and into a nice track to get a beautiful future for the area. Yeah, well,
1: it's been trying times. Absolutely. We've had COVID. We've had the election as well. And I think yes. there's probably been a lot of misinformation out there as well, yep. as well as a lot of people have made up opinions and then started quoting opinions as being fact. Yes. And I think, uh, yeah, I think it's opened the doors up. And hopefully people go to these websites, download the information, read it very carefully and try to get a comprehension of what your council can do for you. Yeah what your local MP can do for you, yeah. what the state government has control of, yes. and what the mooka people can actually
0: do as well. Because the common thread amongst those three uh, departments of those three arenas. And Kayak as well. Yeah, those yeah. three arenas is, is that everybody does want to move forward. Everybody of wants course. to go to develop the area responsibly yep. and to the best benefit of all concerned. But even better, they've all agreed... Yes. To do that infamous the coffee. Infamous
1: coffee. <laughs> the coffee. The infamous coffee meeting. Yeah, that's right. So hopefully they'll all stick to their word now.
0: We've got all three saying it. Well, and Cameron said he and will Cameron? actually throw the invitation out. That's so we're right. going to hold you to
1: your word, Mr Unfortunately, Cameron. at the expense of Mark Robinson, I think. That's that was
0: the- <laughs> I <laughs> heard that. But that's how it works. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, so hopefully he's got his government credit card with him <laughs> yeah, on the day. Yeah? Absolutely. And, uh, but I think if they stick to that and they do sit down and talk yeah. and get rid of whatever ridiculous things that are going on at this present time and move forward, not only for the Quandamooka people, but also for the locals that are living on there, for everybody yeah, with the area. Concerned, yeah. And make sure we do come to some... Understanding of what the hell's going on, and I really hope they stick to their word again too, and actually get some of the Kondamuka storytellers on the station. I'm looking forward to that. That will be an excellent. But I'm going to keep ringing episode. that guy out there, Cal. I'm going to keep texting him every day until he sends someone. I think. <laughs> Good stuff. I'll just harass him, <laughs> yeah, until we get it. Because <laughs> I think
0: it'll be great to have. It'll be fantastic next for another Searchlight Conversations yeah. program. Yeah. I don't suggest. And I, think, and I think we should come back and address this again. I do too. In the new year. Tonight,
1: let's see how it's going to progress. So let's give it a few months, come back to the new year, let's see what happens.
0: Well, tonight was really about throwing the spotlight on it. That's right. We're not here to make any kind of assumptions or anything other than giving information out so that everyone out there listening can take a little bit themselves and put a bit of effort in, understand a bit more, get the resources together and start moving in a unified direction. We hope. We hope. That's what it's all about. It's all about the coffee. It's all about the coffee, and it's got to be good coffee too. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for tonight, Ken. Thanks, Dean. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thanks for being along, as always. And uh, we look forward to Searchlight December. Which is our final one for the year. Yeah. What are we going to do? Well, I've got a couple of ideas, but let's just uh, put that on hold for the moment. We'll discuss that <laughs> later on. But I do want to, before we go, I do want to mention that all the recent Searchlight programs, Searchlight Conversation programs, Rainbow Conversations, yep, Entrepreneurs' Journey, right. yep. and The Lost Boys are all on our website in podcast. Which is great. Which is great. This tonight's conversation will be up there about midday tomorrow. So bayfm.org.au. Go into the more button, and you'll see all the Searchlight categories there, and you can click on. And listen to it as often and and at the time that you wish. So Dean, that's it for tonight. Thank you very much. Yeah. I look forward to seeing you in a four weeks time. That's it, Good night.